Hey, you're listening to an Upbeat Rewind featuring Rich Redmond on May 18th, 2020. Rich is an award-winning recording and touring drummer widely known for his drumming with country music singer Jason Aldean. And as an in-demand drummer, he's worked with all kinds of other incredible artists across all genres. But what I love most about Rich is he isn't just Jason Aldean's drummer. He isn't just a drummer or a musician. He's also an actor, voiceover artist, author, and podcast host of his own show, The Rich Redmond Show. He is a huge advocate for pursuing your dreams and helping others get to their dreams as well. And in this energetic and inspirational episode, we discuss everything you need to know about pursuing your passion, respecting where you're at on your journey, and what it really takes to be successful Really an insightful episode with Rich Redmond. You're listening to an Upbeat Rewind featuring Rich Redmond. This is Upbeat with beatboxer, musician, speaker, and show host, Parker K. Rich, thank you very much for being on the show, man. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, an Upbeat uh, is largely centered around uh, the topic of finding and pursuing what you really love to do. And who better to ask than someone who's succeeding in the music industry? Uh, you are the drummer with Jason Aldean. Uh, and from what I understand, you guys have multiple number one hits, like 27 number one hits, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, and we'll get more into that and more of the stuff that you do. But definitely, I love starting these episodes out with stories and just getting to know the person, getting to know the guest. So if you could just tell us about you, man, like what was, what was little rich like? What was growing up like? Uh, when did you know drumming was what you wanted to do? Anything you want to share? Yeah, man. Well, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, they, they, uh, called me little Richie Redmond, you know, my family and like a lot of my close friends, um, that I've known for like over 20 years, a lot of them gravitate towards Richie and I don't know why, but I'll answer to rich. My dad's Richard. He's like, he's an accountant. So it's, he's Richard. Um, so, uh, but no, I started playing drums in, uh, 1976, 1977. I think I have some little drum instruction books for me taking lessons all the way back then. But I was like one of the lucky few, cause I knew exactly what I wanted to do with my life at such a young age. And that gave me like a, a distinct advantage because when you know what you love to do and what makes you happy and what gets you out of bed every day excited to face the day that will allow you to jump on that thing in life sooner and you can start to get those tens 20,000 hours in and when people say you know an expert is like 10,000 hours of applied effort I'm like dude piece of cake man you know because I've been playing drums for so long um, but it's been an incredible ride yeah I moved to Nashville and 1997 and um been there and and uh kind of went after my dreams there i met this young guy named jason aldean said the same band the entire time and we played all sorts of our fantasy places you know like the hollywood bowl and madison square garden and red rocks and we get to hear ourselves on the radio and all that kind of stuff. And then just in recent years, I've been trying to, you know, expand and grow into other kind of creative ventures, which is really exciting. Love that. And you've been, yeah, drumming with a country band for a long time. Uh, but it's my understanding that you also have experience with a bunch of other genres as well. So could you tell sure. us a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, I think, you know, I tell everybody I'm a, I'm a, I'm an overeducated rock drummer. So, <laughs> um, so, you know, the idea is that, you know, my first band that I loved was uh, like 
Alex Van Halen, you know, the Van Halen brothers and uh, the police and uh, John Mellencamp and, you know, a lot of classic rock. I was kind of kind of coming from that world. Then I went, I got all sorts of training. I got overtrained. I got a master's degree in uh, classical percussion and jazz. And, and I have my teaching certificate for the state of Texas. And I've taught kindergartners and I've taught one-on-one classes and drum clinics. And I've, you know, been a college professor and played all sorts of different kinds of music, anything, you know, like cumbia music and, uh, uh, you know, Latin jazz orchestras and big band music and reggae and fusion classical. And so it's kind of all in there. Um, what's interesting about making the li- a living as a musician is a lot of people, the goal is to get a job, you know, get a steady job in the music business. And thank God, you know, uh, my relationship with Jason Aldean turned into a a 21-year relationship with us touring nonstop for the last 14 years. So wow. pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure everyone listening to, as well as myself, is wondering how did that like initial connection with you and Jason uh, start? Like how did that happen? Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of industries work uh, with uh, resumes and monster.com or LinkedIn. It's a, it's a very, it's a very front door approach. And in the music business in any kind of creative venture, it's really kind of like the wild west. I mean, you could get a job through your hairdresser or through a secretary at a record label or having cocktails with someone for the first time. So for me, um, I knew the guys, uh, the two other guys in Jason's band and they championed me and they recommended me to Jason. And it was just a formality to see if we all could get along, uh, personally as well as professionally and we just it all clicked and worked and this that was 1999 so (laughs) thanks so now it's been a while uh do you find that that kind of loyalty i guess in the industry is is more of a rarity absolutely it just doesn't exist really the the creative arts it's kind of like not for the faint of heart it's uh i said it's the wild west every man for himself and occasionally you'll there'll be a band of brothers you know that kind of finish each other's sentences and that's kind of what we are you know we've been at each other's weddings and divorce parties and i say girlfriends have come and gone and wives have come and gone and clothing styles have come and gone and hairstyles have come and gone <laughs> and we're still you know together so to so to have that kind of home base and be able to base life together in a group of like-minded people it's uh, pretty powerful yeah <laughs> yeah definitely uh what i want to ask um what are some myths about being a country drummer uh because i know even as a beatboxer um i get asked all the time can you beatbox to country uh can you if you do is it boring is it the same beat <laughs> and then i always have to kind of stick up for yeah i could beatbox to country but yeah just wondering well, what some myths are yeah, well, I mean, country music is, uh, you know, it's an American art form. It's it's unique to our, you know, it's folk music that evolved. And then especially nowadays, it's, you know, no music is static. If, you know, even as human beings, if we're not growing and evolving and changing, we're rotting on the vine, you know. So when I talk to people that are into self-improvement and professional development, I always talk about those kind of things. So nothing is static, you know. So what our band did is our band bought rock and roll. I mean, other bands had rock and roll influences, but we really brought some rock and roll to country and gave other bands permission, like Florida, Georgia line, Luke Bryan, all these guys to do what they do. Um, 
but for me, there's just two kinds of music. There's good music and bad music. And to me, actually, most music is good. Um, and most music needs drummers. And so my goal was to be, you know, a freelance drummer. And you were able to, I was able to answer a lot of different calls. And so my calling came in the form of being a country and Western drummer, which is hilarious because, like, I'm the kid from Connecticut, you know, it's overeducated classical and jazz music. But that's where the opportunity came and by bringing my personal influences and everything to that genre, we were able to change it, which is really, really fun. But yeah, if you were if you were to beatbox to a country song, I mean, a lot of the stuff you hear on the radio right now is this kind of mid-tempo groove that was popular for like pop music in the 90s. And now there's a hip hop influence, you know, with like trap hats and 808 kicks and that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of, you know, do, 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 do. <laughs> you know, hey, right I mean, down the middle good. like that. Whereas back in the day, there was train beats like do duck do duck do duck do duck way down yonder on the chair. You know that <laughs> stuff, which I really learned how to do too, because because I'm a student of life and I'm a student of music. And I tell all my students, like, look, if you want to make a living in this, you better learn the history of popular music. So we're talking like the jazz that came out of the 1917s and then the birth of rock and roll in the 50s and doo-wop. And then we got into classic rock and psychedelia and one hit wonders of the 70s. And then in the 80s, we had heavy metal. And we had new wave and the British invasion. And then in the 90s, we had all the shoegazer rock. And then we started getting more computers and programming. And, and so, and then all these musical styles cross pollinate and they talk to each other and they make out and they make babies together. And all these <laughs> styles kind of like they do, they cross talk. And so, you know, when I tell my students, it's like, Hey man, you better get on board with all this stuff and find a way to love all of it. You know, uh, Motown and Stax records and the blues and all that stuff is really good to like, to swim in those waters and experience that music. Absolutely. Love that. Thanks for sharing. And I'm glad you brought up like that you teach and, and students and what young aspiring musicians should do. Uh, that was another thing I wanted to ask about was, uh, you know, kind of the audience of this podcast too. And then people that I personally am surrounded with are a lot of college students, sure. uh, you know, passionate about music, have a lot of skill for music. Like I, I have jam sessions with some of the most skilled people that I've ever met. Um, and a lot of them really want like the paid gigs and the, and the performances and the larger audiences and the opportunities. So what do you do to, to get there and, and to get these gigs when you're not necessarily like reputable yet? Yeah. Well, I tell everybody, look, if you want to play Madison Square Garden, you got to treat every gig like it's Madison Square Garden. That doesn't mean like play like super loud and be running around you know, the stage when you're playing the YMCA or the supermarket grand opening, and you got to read the room and play for that audience at hand. But if you play with that level of passion and commitment, you'll eventually get there. You know, so for me, I said yes to everything, everyone and everything and every opportunity. And I even created opportunities for myself. So um, now we're living in a world where you can eventually cultivate a worldwide audience in your own living room. To me, kind of cheating and you know what else i think is kind of cheating some of the singing shows that we have which is like i'm gonna sing every scale and over sing the hell out of this song and you're gonna give me a record deal and i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna like i'm gonna skip like 20 steps right now some of these people have cultivated that opportunity in an amazing way like your kelly clarkson's and your carrie underwoods um but there, there's something about playing the puppet show and playing the supermarket grand opening and playing bar mitzvahs and pool parties and buying a secondhand van or a milk truck and getting a bunch of guys together and going out and playing 
those wedding, horrible wedding gigs and, you know, college, you know, college gigs and college rock clubs. And so I, I just think that, you know, you'll find a way, but if you really want to do it, um, just say yes to everything and, and just create that audience for yourself. I love that. Yeah. Just, you know, respect for the journey and like what kind of stuff can happen while you're trying to grow to be that, you know? Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. I love that. Uh, Well, and let's bring this into the mix too. Um, You're a keynote speaker and a motivational speaker. Uh, You also have some books out there, a children's book and then crash a course for success. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us what inspired those like writing opportunities and putting out, putting out those books for people? Yeah, man. Thank you. Um, well, you know, I fancy myself a pretty good writer. You know, I was on the yearbook staff and I always thought I was going to go into journalism or write sci fantasy books or something, you know, because um, I always read a lot of like Asimov and Heinlein and uh, Bill K. Dick. I loved science fiction. I played, I was a dungeon master, um, you know, so, so these kind of things are all in my back pocket. So I knew I would write. And I'm also a student of life and I've really you know, study guys like Zig Ziglar and Napoleon Hill and Tony Robbins and all these powerful um, motivators. So I knew that I would end up putting out my own book. So I came up with this concept called CRASH, which stands for Commitment, Relationships, Attitude, Skill, and Hunger. So you put that together, it's CRASH, like, it's like a crash symbol. It's easy to remember. I wrote this book, which is like, was 10 years late, really, because I have been speaking professionally for corporate America, you know, like your Cisco's and your Hewlett Packard's and your Microsoft's um, for about a decade. And so I finally put out the book and that's how it on. It's in three versions. Like I read the book to you on Audible or you can download it to your Kindle or you can have a dead tree version delivered, you know, even right now during COVID <laughs> to your front door. Um, and then I had a children's book, you know, fundamentals of drumming for kids. So, you know, I'm a teacher, I'm a speaker, I'm a writer. Those are all things, part of what I do. And, and then that kind of, um, you know, led to me, uh, you know, acting in a couple horror films, you know, uh, five years ago. And then anything I do, I, I always say that the, the universe sends you these signals and gives you these signs to let you know you're on the right track or not. And it was always kind of fantasy, a fantasy of mine to be like, you know, on a sitcom or be maybe play a cop on an episodic television show <laughs> or kill the monster in a horror movie. And that opportunity landed in my lap, but I just didn't say, okay, every note, everybody knows I'm just a drummer and I'm just going to, you know, wing it. Like I studied and I've been studying now for five years, you know, at great expense. That's why I'm in Los Angeles right now. Um, my band is off. We're probably going to be off for the greater portion of this year. And, um, I mean, I just don't want moss to grow on me. So I'm out here studying with one of the greatest acting teachers in Los Angeles and all of her teach, all of her students like are, they're all employed. Like you see them on the silver screen, you see them on the small screen. And so I want to kind of like add that to my toolbox. Love that. Well, and are you, uh, I think I saw this on your Instagram bio, I think, but are you, um, an SAG actor, the Screen Actors the SAG Guild? SAG actor, yeah, yeah. The Screen Actors Guild is, is a very powerful union, um, and it's a really cool thing because it looks out for actors and, you know, lets people know that this is kind of like the uh, a basis for negotiations for if you're doing a television show, which you make per episode, and when their breaks need to be, and, like, when lunch is supposed to be, and how far away a bathroom is. Like, it just all sorts of things that help your quality of life when you're actually doing a job. For musicians, we also have the musicians, uh, American Federation of Musicians. I've been like a lifetime member of that. So these are just cool organizations that just have our back and set like some basic professional guidelines. Awesome. So. Yeah, I was very first introduced to 
the Screen Actors Guild um, back in 2016, I th- threw my beatboxing at a video go viral, a beatboxing oh, with wow. a McDonald's beatboxing with a mcdonald's cup um and so i actually got my own mcdonald's commercial and went to city of industry and filmed with them and they were trying they were teaching me about sag and if i wanted to be a part of it and that kind of stuff and i didn't but now i'm kind of you know thinking about it again so (laughs) yeah so there's a mcdonald's commercial floating around somewhere with you in it yes yep cool (laughs) now that's a big corporation i hope you got some cheddar for that yeah, well, and definitely, I mean, they helped me like finish out school and stuff. And they also, you know, just offer stellar credibility, you know, for when I'm trying to do stuff like this or meet people or get my foot in the door somewhere else for in- the internship that I was telling you about before we started was uh, for McDonald's in Nashville. And that was all because they were just helping out and seeing what they can do to push me forward on the on the cool. path, you know. Nice. So, I'll, have to, I'll have to uh troll you. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll look it up. I'll look it up, man. That would be awesome. I appreciate it. Um, and I got to say, one thing I really, really love about you, and you mentioned it in what you were just sharing with us, you're kind of doing it all. <laughs> like uh, You've built up a lot of skills. You wear a lot of hats. You're a great communicator, speaker, actor, writer, podcast host. As mentioning, I love your your podcast as well. So what are your thoughts on, I guess, this new age like trend or or expectation for people to just find a niche and stay there? Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, man, you know, I think that maybe this pandemic will teach us more than ever that it's so important to have more than one revenue stream, right? Because even if, say, you're in corporate America, say you're in corporate America and you work for one of the Fortune 100 and you got a great salary and you're driving your Audi and you got your 401k, you got a nice place to live, the whole deal. Um, really, at the end of the day, you're still self-employed because I have I have friends in corporate America that the ax keeps falling every year and people are downsizing, downsizing, downsizing. They go, oh my God, I just made it. I, ca- I kept my job. But you know, eventually that job might go away. And those people have to be, you have to have some other skill sets, some other things. You have the opportunity now with the way technology is to build your own brand. And it is kind of hilarious, all the things I've done. You know, I've been a professional songwriter and I've heard my songs on the radio and I could walk into a supermarket and go, oh my God, that's me playing the drums. Wow. <laughs> and I could go see, wow, look at me. I'm, I'm playing a cop on TV or look at all the, all these cool childhood dreams that I was able to realize from the sweat of my brow, you know, a lot of blood, a lot of sweat, a lot of tears, divorces, life, man, you know, life, you know, life will kick you. It really will. And you have to have some really thick skin, but, um, you know, eventually one thing is going to happen. We are all going to die. So when we are on our deathbed, we don't want to tell our family, oh, I'm so resentful. or I'm so regretful of things that I wanted to do that I never chased. So you only get that one life. So I say, if you want to do anything, and it could be anything, you could, it could be something so far-fetched, the 50-year-old that wants to be the ballerina, right? Or the 60-year-old that wants to go into acting, or there's somebody that wants to be a voiceover artist for cartoons. like. It's never too late to chase your your dream. Arm yourself with the ammunition, like educate yourself and say, okay, a voiceover artist for cartoons. Who are the guys that do it? Oh, maybe there's 40 people that do that job. 
Where do they go to get training? Where do they all live? Where does the work take place? And then you might have to make horrendously difficult decisions in your life to realize some of these dreams because a lot of times you have to go to where the action is, right? You have to swim in that trough and drink that water. It's like all the people, all the, the animals in the African plain, they're all going to be at that watering hole, right? Because they're looking for the water. And they have to go there. And so like cities like New York, LA, Atlanta, Nashville, cities that are, that are, that are part of the uh, entertainment culture, you have to kind of be in those places, but no, a, a niche or a niche. I like to say niche. My band is like, it's niche, rich, it's niche. I say niche. Um, they say, uh, you know, eventually you want to find that. Like for me, my niche, my calling, what I'm known most for, the most exposure I've had ever is being the drummer for Jason Aldean. You know, so that opens the door. It opens the door for, for people to take me seriously when I tell them the other things that I'm dreaming about and wanting to cultivate. So it is smart to maybe be really good at one thing and go after it. But I don't know, man, you crazy kids who are starting to do it now in your 20s. I don't know. Maybe it would be good to have multiple things that you're doing. Here's the deal, though. You got to be good at all of them. You can't be half-assed at, at a lot of things, you know, which creates more work for you, right? You can't be a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. You literally have to be a master of all, which is exhausting, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, and I... I just find like I relate to to this uh, personally. I mean, I'm sure a bunch of the listeners will as well. But you know, beatboxing is kind of my like Jason Aldean, I guess for like for you. So beatboxing has been what opens the door for me to do a bunch of other stuff. And yeah. and sometimes it's hard because you know a lot of my followers who followed me for beatboxing are like, hey, like what's this podcast stuff about? You know, like I thought you were a beatboxer. And so you do right. multiple things, but I will say that beatboxing has been, you know, my foot in the door to a bunch of other things. That's great. And you know, even the folks that love you for one thing, they're a little bit hesitant at the beginning. They're like, podcast? Now this guy thinks he's a podcaster? Here's the deal. Look at that professional microphone you got, the setting, you know, the guests that you have. Like you're on it, man. You're doing it. You're building this thing. And the, the, it's the surefire way to turn naysayers and negative Nellies into true fans is to just persist. Just keep doing what you want to do. And eventually these people will come around. And if they don't, who cares? There's other people that are going to love what you do. You just can't stop. Right. You got to keep moving forward. You got more episodes than I do, you know, but the, but the fact that it's the power of the mind, like I put out, I think 20 episodes of a podcast called pick Rich's brain. It was a different format. I put out 20 episodes over a two year period. And people were like, I love this podcast, man. Why can't you put out one a week, two a week? And I was like, Oh man, maybe I should, there's something to that. But when I finally figured it out in the podcasting game, that consistency is everything. I doubled down my efforts and I hyper-focused and I released two episodes a week, um, slowed down a little during COVID. I'm like, one a week. Let's do one a week. <laughs> I'm going to trickle them out. Um, great things started happening, you know, because I was, I really focused on it. I was like, this is every week there's going to be a new episode. So you're, you're killing it, man. Thank you. You as well. And is this, is this kind of where Crash comes into play? The, the book that you wrote and the acronym oh, yeah. that that is? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot that we can learn from the crash 
acronym, this is why it's so easy to remember. So you got commitment, right? So you and I are showing our commitment. Here we are in the middle of the day. We're talking into computers, hoping that people will listen to this, right? You went out and bought the microphone. You got that. You set up your, a lot of effort. So you're showing your commitment. You're showing up and you're putting in the work, hoping that the results will show somewhere down the line. Relationships, relationships in life. Now you and I are friends. We've taken this relationship out of an email. We brought it into the semi-real world. If you ever come to Los Angeles or Nashville, we're getting together, right? So now we have a thing that we've created. Attitude is 99% of life. It's the one thing people will always remember about you without fail. And enthusiasm is contagious. And then skill, like we're working on our skills all the time. So we have to identify and master the skills we need to be successful in our chosen field, right? So you as a beatboxer, you as a podcast host, you're always working on developing these skills and taking them to a higher, higher level and then not letting the grass rot. Like you're going to have to learn new skill sets as technology changes and it's changing so rapidly. We have to run just to stand still. And then hunger is the last part, which is no matter what season of your life you are in, you have to always stay tapped into that hunger to be successful. I, so yeah, that all is so awesome. <laughs> thank you. Easy to remember, and anybody can use it. A bass player can use it. A soccer mom can use it. A podcast host can use it. Your dog can use it. <laughs> you can see her in the back, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you uh, included the bass players on that. They deserve it, too. <laughs> so what continues to fuel you uh, to keep going and to keep not just keep going with drumming but keep going with helping people like you you don't have to be on this podcast right now uh, but you are and you're spreading out positivity what continues to drive you to do that man i love people i'm a people person thank god i'm an ex you know and i think that's what makes me a natural teacher um i love people and i love giving them nuggets of wisdom from things that may have happened to me in my life through hardship and struggle, I can learn from that and pass that information along to people and be like, I'm going to save you five years on your journey, kid. Like, is this your goal? Okay, well, I'm going to tell you some stories and some things to do and not to do. More importantly, what not to do because good news travels fast, but bad news travels 10 times as fast. So um, I love sharing insights. And that's like, you know, like I have a product that I spent way too much of my own money on called drumming in the modern world. So drumming in the modern world.com. It usually it's like everything I know about drumming and it's like 120 videos shot in HD. And I spent so much money on it. And I'm very proud of it because maybe it's part of a, a legacy. You know, I don't have any kids. So it's like, this is everything I know about drumming guys or a lot of it. And I'm going to leave it to you guys. And by the way, um, it's usually 300 bucks, but hey, during COVID, I'm going to give it to you for 99 bucks. And so what I do on all the socials is that I'll share insights and information for free, for free, for free. But by the way, if you want more, it's there. And, and that's, that goes back to that whole idea of having multiple revenue streams because everybody likes to say to themselves, wow, I just made 300 bucks today. And I didn't even have to go get a shovel or anything. It just showed up in my email. I mean, that's an incredible thing. But you have to do the upfront work, you know? And that's where we have these interesting models now, like the Patreons and the Twitch, uh, Twitch and all these different uh, things that are the kids are doing. I'm probably going to end up getting on Twitch. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have a Twitch, but it's definitely crossed my mind a couple times. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and if you're if you're in marketing, you know, I hate to be that guy, but it's like it's almost like the Gary V approach. You know, you know, Gary V's first book was a book called Crush It that I definitely recommend for a lot of people, how he took just vlogging on YouTube about wine and turned it into a multi-million dollar industry. But his whole thing is about right hook, right hook, right hook, left. So you're right hook, right hook, free information, free information for people that improves their lives. Left. The left hook is if you dig this and you want a little bit more, well, I have signature drumsticks and I have two books and I have a training series called drumming in the modern world.com. Or you can hire me to speak at your corporate corporate gathering, or you can pay me to MC your charity events. So it's like free, 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 boom, <laughs> left hook. Yeah. I, I love that. No, I think that's a really awesome concept. Um, some, I think that's kind of where I, I might be at. Like, I don't know necessarily, uh, what my, my left hook is or my, or my, my jab is, um, but, but I'm working on it. <laughs> that's great. Well, I mean, what are you like 24 years old or something? Uh, 27. Nice. Okay. So that's how old I was when I moved to Nashville. Right. And then you fast forward uh, 23 years I'm coming up on, I don't know how that happened, but it just does. <laughs> the hair goes gray, but you're a lot wiser and more knowledgeable. And then you have that to, that to share with other people. True. True. No, yeah. I, I love that. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about this too. Um, just doing in, in my research, I guess, catching up on some of the other podcasts you've been on. I love the one you did with Bradley. That was awesome. No, dropping bombs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, he he sounds so interesting, man. Just listen up, guys. <laughs> yeah, he just lays bombs. it down. I don't care if you hate me or love me. I'm going to say what I want to say. Yeah, though no, I love that. One of the things you you've brought up a couple times that I that I really think is a cool thing to to touch on is just the difference between being good at what you do and being a good person, like, and how mm -hmm. far that that will take you. Oh, it really will because. Like, say I get asked to put a band together for somebody, I'm going to find good musicians that can get the job done. But but even more importantly, they have to have like the whole package. So the whole package is being able to take direction, having a flexible personality, um, being likable. So being likable is a very, very, very important thing in life. And I don't know what it is, if there's science behind it or if you can change it. I don't know that quite yet. I just know when I like someone, you know, because we have that our birthright is our intuition, our gut feeling when we're around someone. When, when I get a good gut feeling about someone, you know, I want to be around them more. So that really does account for a lot. I mean, you can have two master's degrees, a doctorate, uh, you know, be overqualified, but sometimes you lose the job to someone who's less qualified, but just as a likable person, nice personality, and you just have a good feeling about the person. That is awesome stuff. Um, I love it. What is your number one influence or inspiration or who? Uh, first influence was Stuart Copeland with the police, the drummer for the police. Do you have a favorite place to perform or a certain performance that really stands out to you? Uh, definitely be uh, Madison Square Garden, Hollywood Bowl of Red Rocks. What's your go-to shower tunes? <laughs> oh, you know what I do in the shower? It's kind of funny. I do my gratitude list. So I, when I'm in the shower, I just think about five things that make I'm very, very happy for. And they could be huge things like health, roof overhead, girlfriend, parents are happy, or, or um, we're going to make nachos for lunch or something like that. And it could be five different things every day. But when you make a gratitude list, it'll, it'll ground your life. And so when you're grateful, more things will come to you that you like. What's your favorite word? 
let's see here. Energy. Energy is a word that people just seem to throw around with me. They're like, dude, what are you on, man? <laughs> I want some of it. What's your favorite song, all-time favorite song? Oh, there's one that I really love called uh, Missing You by John Waite, and I'm really showing my age. But I think it came out like 82, 83, but it's just a perfectly crafted love song, and it just feels good. It just makes me happy. iPhone or Android? iPhone. <laughs> Dang it. I'm on a MacBook here, but I have an Android, so I'm one of those weirdos. <laughs> uh, favorite TV show? Oh, um, well, the first one that got me thinking about ever about being an actor and trying to make people laugh was Three's Company from the from the 70s. I grew up uh, watching Three's Company. I, it may, yeah. may have been a little bit older, but like my parents loved it, and I watched it with them. So, and I'm in acting class right now with the first get and with a with a woman from the first episode, the pilot. Oh gosh, that's awesome. Yeah, she's she's in her 60s and she's still studying. <laughs> still Great. going. Yeah. Aside from Jason Aldean, who have been some of your favorite artists to collaborate with? Well, you know, there's these experiences in life like, you know, Ludacris, super cool guy, um, Brian Adams, very encouraging. Bob Seger was, I think Bob Seger was incredible because he was a fan of our music. He knew all of our songs inside and out. And most importantly, when he came to rehearsal, he knew everyone in the band's name. Like he was like, Rich, love your drumming, man. Let's do this. It's going to be so much fun. So just, you know, for a person in their 70s, that's a, a like an, a rock star that changed music history. When someone comes in and they have a firm handshake and they know your name, something as simple as knowing someone's name, such a cool thing, you know. And, um, you know, I'm always so grateful that I get invited into the studio to record new things. I'm going to be on the new Tyler Farr record. I'm going to be on the new Jason Aldean record. Um, there, I'm on the new Lane Hardy record. He was on American Idol a couple seasons ago. And, um, there's a friend of mine that is an actor on the show Vikings. And I believe he just got a record deal, uh, really tall, good looking guy. And I'm going to be playing on his record. So as soon as this stuff starts to blow over, <laughs> I'm going to be in the recording studio a lot in Nashville. Awesome. Exciting stuff to look forward to. Uh, these are the last two quick questions. What is one message you'd want to share with all of your fans? Find something you love doing, do it every day. And hopefully by you loving it and being good at it, you'll be able to change people's lives. Favorite social media platform and where can people reach out to you? You know, I still like Facebook, but I know that it's an old man game. And so like I've doubled down on all my efforts on Instagram and um, I'm a little bit of an addict, man. I got to admit, like I have to tell myself, like, don't take him to the bathroom. You know, <laughs> like it's time for this. Take a break. You know, because it's it's such an interesting way to keep up with so many people all at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, that's all the questions I had. I'm going to close it out uh, with beatboxing your name again real quick. I love it. Rich Redmond. <laughs> Woo! Are those are those custom? Does everyone get their own? Uh, that's part of the new thing I'm gonna do with the upbeat seat is uh, nice. beatbox people's names. So you're the you're the first. One. Well, I did it for David Meltzer. Uh, it wasn't part of a segment or anything, but um, super cool. Yeah. Well, thanks again for being on the show, man. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm gonna sample that and I'm gonna put it on a trigger pad, and I'll use it during my clinic. So, you know, it'll be like I'll hit the pad, and then I can start my clinic. <laughs> that would be awesome, man. This is Upbeat with beatboxer, musician, speaker, and show host, Parker Kerr. Subscribe.
subscribe at parkerk.co.